Content Advisory. This interview discusses abortion, abortion grief and abortion procedures, domestic violence and sexual assault. Radio. Helping women affected by abortion. An interview with Linda Smythe. So I'm joined today with Linda Smythe from Sarah's Place. So thank you for joining me, Linda. Thank you for having me. Now, of course, I've mentioned that you're here at Sarah's Place. Um, Do you want to first of all just give me a little bit of a snapshot of what Sarah's Place is? Okay. Sarah's Place is a uh, support centre for crisis pregnancy and for post-abortion grief. So we assist the women and it just basically depends on their needs. It could be material, it could be just basic support. They might have been kicked out by their uh, boyfriends, partners, husbands, whatever. There might be domestic violence, um, there might be visa issues, legal issues. So whatever it is, we try and assist them and help them as much as possible, if need be, refer them to other agencies. With post-abortion, we see them on a... Uh, one-on-one basis so we don't have any groups specifically in our center Uh, so they normally come in when they've either just had an abortion or for instance one of my more recent clients is a year and a half another one it's 10 years so it really depends when this comes out then they're ready to talk about it they're starting to feel the pain and they don't know what to do so what inspired you to start Sarah's Place it was a god appointment I uh, had come back from overseas with uh, my family and I was going to go back into my original uh, career, but every time I did, God, well, I got sick. So I kept on saying, where do you want me? Where do you want me? Where do you want me? And then eventually after a number of years, he said, here, and I'm going, okay, good to know. So don't ever think that you... If you don't hear from him that um, he hasn't actually answered your prayers, just waiting. He's waiting for the right time. It may not be the right time for you to do what he wants you to do. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And can you tell me a little bit, I guess, about um, I guess some of the some of the work that you do here? Perhaps just give I guess a little bit of a snapshot into. Um, Yeah, I guess into the work um, and the good work that you do. Okay. Well, with crisis pregnancy, uh, we normally get referrals. Sometimes they find us on the internet. Um, We're trying to get the word out because we're not for profit, which means we don't have a lot of money. Um, We are currently advertising on 103.2, which gives us some exposure. It has given us one client, but it's very very difficult for people to know about us. Um, Depends on how they how they search on the internet and uh, sometimes it's people have actually walked past our centre and taken a photograph and sent it to their friends. So once they've come in, if it's crisis pregnancy, we normally go through and discuss what they have. One of my clients used to come in just because she couldn't stand, she she wanted the peace of being able to hear herself think in here. When she was outside, everyone was telling her what she should do, what she shouldn't do. She can't have this baby, blah, blah, blah. And she was just, I just need to come here and think about what she wanted and talk about her own needs. Often these women aren't asked what you want. They're told what to do. Um, I had one client, I was really quite frustrated because she went to the doctor and because the doctor assumed that she was going to have an abortion, 
they didn't do anything other than that. And she was an overseas student. She didn't have any more money to go and pay for upfront for a doctor's uh, visit. And she wasn't well because she wasn't able to eat or drink because of the nausea. Um, I was so annoyed for her. I told her to go to the chemist because at least the chemist would give her something that a pregnant woman can take to calm down the stomach. She can't think when you're in that situation. And a lot of the times what people don't realize, they say it's a woman's choice, it's this and that, it's between her and a doctor. And half the time the woman doesn't even see the doctor until he's performed the, the, the termination. Um, the, the issue is, is that She's in her amygdala. She's in fight or flight. She doesn't know what to do. She's not in her front part of the brain where there's reasoning, there's logic. So in a sense, where that reasoning and that logic to say, I know this looks bad. I know you're in a tough place, but let's go through what you have. Because often they look at what they don't have and it's generally the guy. And I'm going, maybe that's not such a bad thing. So it just depends on the way that you look at it. So we go through everything that she's got because... All she's seeing is the cloud of problems that are just pressing in on her. So we try and let her look at her, her situation, go through what she needs, and we'll just go through one thing at a time. And sometimes they're not even capable of thinking about what the next step is. So I might give them a list saying, well, I need you to do this, 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 and this. And then they can go away. It's just like anyone in crisis. You, you can't think properly because your brain is the front part shut down. Um, with post-abortive women, it's the crisis isn't there anymore, but the pain is. So we we walk with them to go through the different lay, layers of pain. So if you can imagine a ball of, you know, or you can say an onion, we, we slowly peel away each layer as it comes up for her. We don't push her. We don't, you know, it's when she's ready to deal with whatever pain comes up, we talk about that pain because if you you can't go any further down until she's ready for it because we don't we do no harm we don't re-traumatize so we listen to her and her needs sometimes she just needs to talk and other times she needs to go into a, a hard place and you need to be there with her and hold her as she cries so it's really about the woman and her needs I guess from 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 what you're saying there, um, we can see that that obviously there's there's a lot of issues associated with a woman both prior to an abortion and if she chooses an abortion after the abortion. I guess from from your own experience, one of um, and I sort of don't mean to take away from this by going into politics, but unfortunately, politics is a, is a large issue surrounding this. But um, you, I guess, fr from my own seeing what what's spoken about in Parliament and and by politicians and that, and particularly by activists, that one of the common, I guess. Um, ideas behind why abortion is a difficult thing for women is because of a sense of a cultural um, a cultural taboo surrounding abortion. Uh, that tends to be one of the things that I find that activists will say, that the reason why women find abortion to be difficult is because the culture around them says that abortion is a bad thing. And the way that we solve that problem is by saying that abortion is not a bad thing, and therefore they won't experience that problem anymore. I guess from from your own experience, do you think that there is an element of that? And if even if there is, is that a large part of why women, I guess, find abortion such a such a difficult and um, traumatic issue? Um, it's interesting the the issue of the abortion being a difficult um, choice. It's not like you get up in the morning going, "I'm going to the dentist," and then I'm going to go and have an abortion. I'm going to get my hair done. 
um, 50% of women believe that they are terminating a human life. And a lot of the women, when I discuss it with them, you know, they are talking about their baby. They're not talking about a clump of cells. I believe the other way around. I believe that it is so accepted in culture that you've got a problem, you fix it by abortion. To me, it's like the PlayStation replay button. And that's particularly for the men. You know, I'm not saying all men do this, but what I have found is that um, when the women come in and the guy is trying to get me to convince the woman to have the abortion, they just don't want the issue of being a father. They don't want the responsibility of having to pay for anything. And they normally try to get out of the situation as quickly as possible. Um, and the, it is considered the norm to just go and have the abortion. Generally speaking, Sometimes they might know one person that has had an abortion and I've asked them, Do you, did you know of anyone? No. Generally people who say abortion is a, a, an option are the ones that, that don't know of anyone who's had an abortion. They haven't been surrounded by the pain or know of, of, of it at all. Um, and they're the ones advocating for rights. The, the, the word right is such a, an interesting word. It makes it sound like it's all right. It's good. But just because something is legal doesn't make it good. Um, with, with regards to the culture saying that it's not a good thing, um, I was speaking to a, a young man recently and he said to me that even though abortion is culturally accepted, it's still gritty. It's still not considered to be a good thing to do. So the woman won't talk about it or, you know, you won't go around, oh, I had an abortion or I had this, that and the other. Um, you're not going to discuss it in public. So if it is so good in culture, why aren't we talking about it? And I know that going, um, I went with one of my post-abortive clients to Rachel's Vineyard. Oh, my goodness, did we cry that weekend. Um, and they said, and, and you know, this is, uh, I'm, I'm not breaching any confidentiality. It's just like there's no way to talk about it. And I said, yes, that's true. Just like there's no way to talk about for people who have suffered from rape or domestic violence. Like, is there a domestic violence like AA? Do you have abortions anonymous? Do you have domestic violence anonymous? Mm. Where do you go to talk about it? Because it is really personal. And for the most part of it, there's a lot of guilt and shame involved. Even with rape or domestic violence and with abortion, they have that guilt that shouldn't have happened. But the issue is, is what a lot of people don't realize is 60% of women who go for an abortion have been on more than one contraceptive. And people are not hearing that, hey, this doesn't really work. Hmm. Like if you were to jump out of an airplane and your parachute would open 87% of the time, would you jump? But that's the real life application of condoms, which is supposed to be the panacea for everything but it doesn't work. And then the women find themselves pregnant going, what am I going to do now? The guy walks away mm. and he can walk away. And I deal with my clients who are trying to get in touch with the other side so that their child at least knows the other side of the family. So it's, it's a really difficult situation and they're saying, oh, it's all right, it's okay. Or some are saying it's such a gritty thing. It's, it's really quite scary how quickly and easily that situation can happen. 
because one of my clients, two and a half days, she was pregnant, two and a half days later she wasn't pregnant. On the Sunday she called me crying, hysterical. So um, there's there's an, a lot of pain and I think what's happening in our very, very busy world, we don't know each other anymore. We know our face, book friends. We know um, a bit about each other, but we don't know each other's heart. Um, and maybe we're just at times busy and I'm guilty of being busy, too busy to notice that that lady looks a little bit sad or she's just changed. Just a minute ago we were talking about something and now she's really shut down. Oh, did I say something wrong or has there been a trigger? Has something happened? Did I remind her of something? Because one of my post-abortive clients couldn't go to dance classes because her dance teacher brought her daughter there. It could be as simple as you're looking and you're seeing a baby. One of my colleagues, um, who's a great um, spokesperson, she's had a very tough life. She said she was watching something on TV. A lady, all she did was put her hand on her belly. She was gone. For the week, she was gone. She couldn't stop crying. So there's so much with regards to it being acceptable and not acceptable but the, the problem is is that culture says it's a way of solving a problem but what culture doesn't realize and what people don't realize that it creates far more problems than it fixes i guess from all this um in terms of as we've been talking about culture and we've been talking about politics and that you have been looking at really the reality on the ground i guess i would ask you um what would you say, I guess, what, what's the one thing that you want, um, I guess, the world, and particularly Australia, to know about, um, about abortion and about what you see each day um, in relation? Because it's very easy to kind of talk about this, and I've used this term and, uh, as, as an issue. It's very easy to make it an abstract kind of thing. What would you say, um, I guess, what's the one thing that you would like to contribute from your own experience thus far to this discussion in a way that you think would make the world and make women's lives and everyone's lives a lot better? The difficulty with the word abortion, I guess it's because we've become so familiar with it. It's lost its sting a long time ago. The other issue is, is that it's, it's such a big problem. Like I know I'm guilty as anyone, uh, as anyone else can be of not doing anything about abortion because my own personal stance is I can't stand outside an abortion clinic and pray. That's not me. And that, that could also be the same for a lot of other people. So what do you do about it? It is so huge. There's nothing. It's just like this massive mountain, David and Goliath. So like many people, I did nothing for a long time. But then eventually... I got drawn in and I started to learn. I started to research. And with that research, I found that you can have a lot of statistics depending on the data and who has funded the research as to what answers you will get. Um, people tend to argue either one or the other. There'll be very much on the moral high ground, and please don't get me wrong, yes, this is a moral issue. However, we have run this argument for far too long on that basis, 
and it hasn't worked. So we need to discuss this in a different manner. And then you have the other side that turns around and says, it's my body, my right. Now, I had a client come in with his girlfriend and he brought his mother along. Um, now, he didn't want his girlfriend to abort. And he said something that really stuck with me. And he says, I don't want her to do it. I know it's wrong, but it's her body. And you hear this rhetoric a lot of the time. And sometimes you just don't know what to say without sounding like, I don't know, a religious nut. But there's a lot of atheists that actually are pro-life. And the, the issue is, is that, yes, it is her body, but inside her body, she's carrying your child. And that's a part of you. So it does have something to do with you. The real heartache for men is men have no legal recourse. If a woman decides to have the abortion, they can't stop at all. And they suffer from that too, because the men do, and they don't talk about it. They don't know where to go. So the, the issue is, is that, it's not so simple that I'm right, you're right. I know as incredible as this might sound, everybody thinks that they are doing the best for the woman. Ironically, this morning, the reading, because I, I flick to different pages. I've got a 365-day Bible and I just go, whoosh. And I've often gone, God, teach me. And he's like, there you go. I go, thanks, needed that. This morning was interesting because it was in Acts. Can't tell you what, you know, chapter or verse. I'm not good at that. But Paul was being warned to get out of where he was. And he says, but I stood there and I watched and I persecuted. You know, Stephen was one of them. And I was thinking to myself, he was a murderer. He was a murderer. But yet he was turned around. When was the last time anybody prayed for the people that are in the abortion clinics to have their hearts changed? Has anyone put up a mass for them? Has anyone, does anyone have a group that says we're going to pray deliberately for, let's say, the private clinic or women's preterm is no longer there or Mari Stopes or there is multiple abortion clinics? Does anyone pray for them? So how are we going to make a difference? And I know myself, I did nothing. And I've noticed that when you do nothing, nothing changes. So what are we going to do to make this different, to make this better? Again, we can't beat ourselves up over other people's choices. I know when I first started here and they actually thought we were the abortion clinic because we had frosted glass. Now that frosted glass is no longer there because we are across the road from the abortion clinic. And when people are totally abortion-minded, it's really difficult to even get a word in. And they were out the door. How do you impact people who may consider that abortion is their only option? What are you saying to your kids? At the dinner table, as distasteful as it is, you need to talk to them about sex, maybe after you finish eating. Um, but I get very frustrated. I ask my, all my clients, what were you taught at school? What did your parents say to you about sex? And the general response is, I was in a Catholic school, they taught me nothing. I was in a public school, they taught me nothing. And I just sit there and I go, 
I want to scream. What did your parents say about sex? Just not to fall pregnant. So that means that if you should fall pregnant, you better not keep it. That's the, the language. And my client did that. And then she regretted it. So what I would love for people to do is start to find out, start to be able to talk about it in a calm fashion. Yes, it is about ending a perfectly viable life. Totally correct. But if we start from that standpoint, if you attack, the only place the other person has is to defend. But if you speak from love in your heart, when you say, you know what? It's really not the best thing for the woman's health. Then someone might listen. Do you think then, just taking that last thing that you've said there, do you think that that is the, the purpose of Sarah's place is to love? To love and to support. Um, I often say to my volunteers, people don't care what you know until they know that you care. You can have all of the degrees under the sun, but if they don't feel your concern for them, they're not going to listen to you. It's just like your kids. I mean, kids become deaf to you anyway, but <laughs> they if they don't know that you're coming from a place of love, they're not going to listen. And again, we don't tell anyone what to do. We give information. We provide the information. And oftentimes it is not provided because I ask my post-abortive clients, what did the clinic say to you? Did they counsel you? No. Did they tell you about complications? No. Did they, What did they say? You know, I, I get so frustrated when I hear that on the table, she was crying and they still did the procedure. I get frustrated. So people need to understand that this is profit. This is not about a person. And I'm sorry, maybe some of them have started off in that position where they wanted to help a woman, misguided as they are, not realizing the damage that they'll cause later. And then somewhere along the line, they've seen too much. The difficult thing, and a lot of people don't realize, and this is a little bit graphic, when abortion is performed, the doctor must then put the pieces together of that child to make sure he's got everything. Because if he hasn't got all the bits, there will be an infection as my client had to go back three times because of what they call retained product, there will be an infection. She had to go to emergency three times. So he sees the remnants of this child. The woman doesn't. I can only imagine. I've seen way too much. I've seen way too many clips and, and researched too much information. You can't unsee things. Um, I can't imagine what that does to their soul. After a while, you stop caring. It's just a job. 
and I've I've had people I've had my post border clients say you know they treated me badly they were really rude to me. I often wonder, is that because this is the whatever number of person that has come in yet again? One of my post abortive clients told me, she asked the woman sitting next to her in the abortion clinic, was this her first or, you know, has she had a previous abortion? She said, that's my ninth, my ninth abortion. So technically, the statistics, as wonderful as they are, as imperfect as they are, one in three women, one in four women, depending on which one, you know, you read, in Australia has had an abortion. But that's not the case. It could be one woman has had nine, one woman has had three, one woman has had two. I find that when they have one, it'll be easier to do the second one and the third one. And sometimes they have children in between. So it, it is upsetting. It is a difficult topic. But the silence is killing us. My other heartache is what people may not know. If you're 14 years or over in the state of New South Wales, you can have a medical procedure. If you can pay for it, you can have it. But... You're not supposed to have sex until the age of 16 in the state of New South Wales. So technically, anyone under the age of 16 shouldn't be having sex, but they're having abortions. You can't get a paracetamol in high school without signatures. But a 14-year-old or a 15-year-old, she can pay for it. She can have an abortion. That angers me because that's in breach of the criminal code. The other thing that angers me is parents may not know that their children have just terminated a grandchild. That breaks my heart because a lot of the time, apart from the the male involved in this, I'm the only other person they've told. And when you don't talk to your children about sex, they won't tell you if they've had it or they've gotten pregnant. And then they won't tell you that they've had an abortion. And I'm talking about Christian and Catholic women. That breaks my heart. With Sarah's place, what kind of assistance um, do you need here? And I guess also, what kind of plans do you have? I mean, at the moment, we're on a fairly busy street um, in Surrey Hills. So, you do have, have a bit of exposure, but of course, I'm presuming that this is mostly funded by donations. And do you also have any other plans, I guess, for, um, for, for being able to, I guess have any other services um, to offer and what kind of assistance you need with that as well? Oh, yes. We would love uh, more donations. We are privately funded. We are tax deductible. Woohoo! Um, but, you know, that doesn't mean that the money rolls in. You have to work to to be able to get the donations. And I, I understand everyone, especially, you know, towards the end of the financial year is 
begging for money from all different types of um, organizations which are you know extremely valuable what we would love would be larger premises because um, a lot of our uh, ladies some of them are on their own they don't they don't have a large network it would be great to be able to have mothers groups here so they could meet up and and talk to each other because they've got a lot in common um, it would be wonderful if any psychologists or psychiatrist had any free time that they would be able to donate their valuable talents to the service because um, there is a great need. Generally speaking, the women have gone, a lot of the women go to have an abortion because they can't afford it. So after the abortion, they can't afford to go for therapy. Yes, we're free here. Um, the other aspect is, is that they can ask for a mental health plan and a number of my clients have. <clears throat> they haven't found it very helpful. The people that they've gone to see um, have said the most darndest things and it hasn't been beneficial to her healing at all. In fact, it's been quite hurtful. So we really need women and men who have a heart for um, post-abortive women and want to help them to heal and won't judge them or won't um, give them those silly comments like you should have done this and you should have done that. Um, so if there's any psychologist or psychiatrist that would be happy to help, we would be as absolutely ecstatic to talk to you um premises if there's anyone who has premises that they don't need that are larger than our little shoebox that we have in surrey hills that would be amazing we don't have any wealthy um fairies that can uh, magically give us <laughs> the space that we need so any Anybody that knows anyone who could help, that would be wonderful. And you know what? It's A lot of the time it's it's the $5 or the $10 or the $100. They all add up and they make such a difference. But it, it's difficult to get people to know about our centre because we don't have the funds to advertise. Currently we are and that runs out in about oh, five weeks, I think, um, on 103.2. And that will be it. So... We're, we're trying to get the word out that, yes, we're here, yes, we're available. And networking. I would love to network with doctors. Um, <clears throat> one of the difficulties is that um, women may go to the doctor, but more often than not they will go and have a urine test and they go straight to the abortion clinic. That's concerning for me. I'm not medically trained, but the issue of an ectopic pregnancy is quite real and it's dangerous. So we always, always tell our women to please go to the doctor so that it's confirmed by a medical professional. Um, <clears throat> that, that is um, so important and we would like to collaborate with other doctors in areas there's there's a, a client that is seeing some beautiful doctors in her area and that's because one of her one of their friends you know they're linked up that way I would love to have a database of doctors that would be 
happy to see women because I have women from as far as Emu Plains to the northern beaches. It's just um, pregnancy doesn't discriminate. It can happen any age, any place. <laughs> so that would be another a wonderful opportunity if we could collaborate with more doctors um, and then we could send women who, who need assistance. We do get um, a portion of uh, international students and they may not have health insurance. That's another conversation that I would like to have with the minister because I don't think it should be strongly suggested that a woman of um, reproductive age come to Australia and not have medical insurance. Some of, the, some of the visas say they strongly suggest, others say you do have, but then they may not have pregnancy insurance. So I think it should be stipulated that if you're a woman and you're of childbearing age and you come to Australia, you absolutely have to have health insurance, including pregnancy. Because uh, one of my clients paid, ooh, I think it was 2300 and that was a normal birth. So it does cost money. It's not free, hmm. <laughs> especially for overseas. Um, you know, we're, we're very blessed here in Australia. We are so well taken care of, but it's not the issue when people come from overseas and they're alone most of the time. They have no one, literally. So... Yes, medical doctors, um, psychiatrists, psychologists would be wonderful. Um, midwives. Um, some women can't even afford to go to the classes, uh, you know, prior to. They don't know what to expect. Can you imagine? I can't imagine. Um, going and, and giving birth and have had no preparation. I know there's, there's things that you can learn on the internet. And sure, you could do YouTube, but... Um, it would be nice for them to actually be able to go to some of these classes and they cost money. Even in public hospitals, they cost money. I would love to have a, a, a professional that, you know, would be able to give those classes to our clients who can't afford to have that. Hmm. Well, thank you very much, Linda. Um, it's been a wonderful conversation. Um, and is there any um, website or any details that you can give to, to get in contact with you um, about how people can help out or find out more information? Uh, yes, there is. Our website is Sarah's Place without the H. So that's S-A-R-A-S Place uh, dot au. And our phone number is 1300 and we do have an office in Gosford, a centre in Gosford that we've uh, recently opened up. So if there's anyone in that area, um, specifically with doctors and um, other organisations, we would love to talk to you to raise awareness in that specific area, but also within the Sydney um, area. It would be wonderful. So all the information is there. You can contact us via email and you can also book online. Wonderful. Well, thank you very much again, Linda. And... Um, I pray that all, all of our listeners uh, and that we'll all keep you and, and your ministry in our prayers. Thank you very much. That was an interview with Linda Smythe entitled Helping Women Affected by Abortion. For more interviews, talks and shows, visit cradio.org.au.